Hi, welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. We are going to hop into a little conversation that I had with my friend Mark Breeden in just a few minutes, but it's been a while since I've given you an update. So if you want to hop directly to the episode with Mark, you can do that. You can go straight to minute, it's about minute five or six, and you can totally skip all of this. But if you'd like to hear a little bit of what I have been up to and what's going on with me, keep listening. So the last you heard from me, I was in the United States and I had hopped from Los Angeles to Idaho. I was in New York for two days and I am now recording this in my home office in Barcelona and I've had a couple of interesting takeaways that I really have realized in the last sort of week and a half that I've been home. And one of those things had to do with the fact that before I left Barcelona, I felt kind of bored and I felt a little bit listless and it just felt a little bit off. And I realized that a lot of that had to do with the fact that I wasn't challenging myself to make my own life more interesting. And so being in a series of very new places over the last couple of months, I have really been able to sort of reconnect with the things that really make me feel more fulfilled. And so it's even just little things, like instead of doing the exact same thing every Saturday morning, challenging myself to go walk my dog in a new place or saying, you know what, I am going to go to bed a little bit later tonight because that means that I get to connect a little bit more with this person that I'm spending time with. And I can tell you that the last week and a half has been really interesting to see how my mindset has changed. And when I am feeling more fulfilled, personally, that affects my eating habits. And you may feel the same way. You might notice that when you feel sort of more fulfilled and happier in your general life, that you don't turn to food for that emotional support anymore. And for me, for someone that dealt with emotional eating for a very long time and then resorted to very strict macro tracking to try to quote unquote control those eating habits, I found that the real the thing that really helps me is is asking myself how do I engage more with my life around me? And this is something that I work on with clients. It's the reason why all of my clients do work on their core values when we start working together. And then through coaching, we talk about sort of how to link our decisions back to those core values. And I have to say, it's been feeling really good for me. Will this last? I have no idea. And you know what? Honestly, it doesn't matter. And that's because I am now building skills and tools to help myself understand how I can get myself back to this headspace. So I'm really happy about that. I also wanted to say, if you are listening to the podcast, if you're enjoying the podcast, I recently got the opportunity to write and record podcasts and actually get paid for it. And honestly, it is so, oh my gosh, I just love creating that content. I love being able to, to you know, digest research and then put that out in a fun podcast format. And so whether you just want to have me as a guest on your podcast, if you know a podcast that would like me as a guest, amazing. If you'd like a workshop or, you know, some type of of speaking engagement in the company that you work in, I'm offering myself up. I am putting it out there into the universe that this is something I want to do more of. And, you know, we don't get what we want unless we ask for it, right? So with that, friends, I am going to wrap this up. I'm going to let you know that... I do have coaching spots available. I am also going to be launching group spots in January. So lots of fun things there. And if you want to know anything more about it, you know where to find me. Well, if you don't know where to find me actually, you can find links to my Instagram or my email list through the link in through the link in the show notes. And I will also link a link there if you'd like to schedule a call with me, which I would absolutely love to do. And if you are here and you came here through Mark's social media or you are part of Mark's uh, community, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. If you are not following Mark, you will hear contact info for how you can get a hold of him or follow him at the end of this episode. And with that, let's go ahead and start the episode with Mark where we're going to talk a little bit about 
Wow. We're going to talk a little bit about a lot of stuff, partly around perfectionism, around how to figure out what's realistic for you, and quite a few reasons that we can really focus on to exercise and move our bodies and specifically strength train that have nothing to do with what our bodies look like or what our weight does. So with that, thank you so much for being here and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm actually here with a friend of mine today, and you are going to hear us right after he intros himself. You're going to hear us just like launch into conversation, and that's because we were having such an awesome conversation before the episode started that I was like, I'm just going to start recording and we'll figure out intros later. So I am going to introduce you to my friend, Mark Breeden. He works with women mainly to help them learn how to strength train in a weight neutral way. So Mark, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. And then right after that, you're going to hear us just launch into conversation about aesthetics and why, like why getting lean is just really overwhelming and maybe not potentially worth it. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on the podcast. So yeah, my name is Mark. I'm a weight neutral trainer, uh, podcaster as well. Like, so for people like a weight neutral approach basically means that I focus on making people stronger, making people healthier, but doing so in a way that isn't centered around the weight on the scale. So I don't do weigh-ins, I don't do before and after photos. I'm not gonna talk to you about like your aesthetics or what your aesthetics goals like, or like, we're not gonna talk about that. We're like, we're really just focused on making you like a strong, confident lifter and just like thrive in your strength training journey without that being defined by the weight on the scale. So that's, yeah, that's my big focus. Amazing. Mark, thank you so much for the intro. And now we are going to launch right into the middle of our conversation about aesthetics. And you're also going to learn some awesome benefits to strength training today. And we do get a little deep towards the end. So make sure that you stick with it. So Mark, you were saying that a lot of weight loss coaches that you are familiar with kind of feel weird about if my body changes and I gain weight, like what image am I sort of showing to the people that I'm marketing to. And you were mentioning like, this is part of why you love what you do because what your body looks like is not a focus of like, am I good at my job? Yeah, I think this is like a unique benefit that I have as being like a weight neutral coach is that so a lot of coaches really do feel like their body is their resume. And I think, you know, if you're going to be a weight loss coach or a transformation coach that like, it's hard to get credibility if you don't have the look that people are looking for. And that's super, super stressful because bodies change all the time. Like there's, there's lots of reasons that bodies change all the time, whether it's like aging or like something else is going on, or like, there's even reasons to put on weight for health reasons. Like people who have like hypothalamic amenorrhea, like part of that treatment is like regaining weight, like pretty, it's pretty inevitable that's going to happen. But as like a, as a weight loss transformation coach, like you almost don't get that luxury to put on weight or like. And that, 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 that sucks that like genuinely like that makes sense. I have talked to coaches who like, you know, they'll put on some weight even for like to improve their health and like, they feel like they've lost credibility and like, they're not as, you know, credible as a trainer. Whereas like as a weight neutral trainer, I don't really care what you look like or aesthetics and my look doesn't matter either for that reason. So if my, you know, my body has changed over the years, like sometimes I've gone up in weight, sometimes I've gone down. Um, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really, cause that's like not what we're focused on. Like we're focused on getting stronger. We're focused on, you know, becoming healthier and like, that's always, so, you know, if I, my body changes over time, which, you know, it probably will that I don't, I don't really care. Like, that's like the, I don't, I don't have to worry about it from like a career standpoint, uh, as opposed to like yeah. a lot of trainers like really do like, especially if they're in the weight loss transformation world, they're good at like, that's, you know, they kind of have to look the part or at least feel like they have to look the part. So the reason why, so we, just to fill everybody in, you're like, why am I hopping in, in the middle of a conversation? Because Mark and I were having a really interesting conversation about the impact on, of body changes on like our careers. And today we're actually going to talk a little bit about reasons to exercise that are completely aside from what your body looks like. But this is a really interesting conversation because personally, I felt so much pressure. And those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while, or you're a client of mine, or you follow me on Instagram, you know that I do talk about fat loss occasionally, but that's not the sole focus of my coaching. And when clients come to me, our focus is health and a positive relationship with food and the body changes that can happen alongside that are really dependent on like if the client is ready to take that on without 
having a shitty relationship with food. And personally, so Mark, you mentioned hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is for those of you that aren't familiar with this term, it's essentially when you don't have a period uh, for reasons related to your hypothalamus, which is a part of your brain. And it often happens because of overtraining and over, sorry, overtraining and under eating and increased stress on the body. And that is something that I dealt with. And there was a lot of fear because I was known as like the girl in the gym that had the abs. And I had so much fear around like, what is this going to do to my business if I gain weight? And the thing is, is that I feel like genuinely just so much more like I can engage with my life that I do not give a fuck if people don't want to hire me because I don't have abs, because me not having abs means that I can now fully engage with all of the parts of my life that I couldn't because being lean was so important to me. Yeah. And it's always like, what is the cost of getting there? I think is like an important question where that's like stuff, you know, um, talking to bodybuilders and what they do behind the scenes is like super interesting because, you know, we always see like the stage pics or like what they look like in photos or things like that, but we don't really talk about like, what does it take to actually get there and what their life looks like? And, you know, this isn't bodybuilder exclusive, but sometimes for someone to get abs or to get to that lean, what you have to sacrifice, like not only just like lifestyle, but mentally, like a lot of the times you might have to sacrifice your own health to get that lean as well as like, like there's, it's not healthy. Like I think, well, like I don't even afraid like to get that lean for a lot of people is not that healthy. And, you know, that's tough, especially if your goals are aesthetic space that once you get to the point where it's like, I'm healthy, but to get leaner, I'm going to have to cut out important foods, important nutrients. I'm going to have to give up on social events. I'm going to have to give up on, you know, certain things that I enjoy before, you know, how important is having abs? Um, I have had abs and, you know, back in the day, back then, like four years ago, and I will say that they did not enhance my life in any way. There was no, they, they didn't get me. I, I wasn't like more impressive to people. I didn't like, I get more friends or I wasn't cooler. I wasn't like, better. you know, there wasn't like, there wasn't like any real benefit. No one sees them because like, you're always wearing a shirt, right? Yeah. Um, and like you, the people that care about you are like, okay, you have abs. Like, I don't care. I just want to like go out to eat with you and not have you be weird about food. Yeah, exactly. If anything, it's like, yeah, it's like, well, now you're just the weird person bringing Tupperware to the restaurant. And that's I've been like, there, you know, done that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, every, yeah, exactly. And I think like, that's like, like, what are you really sacrificing? Like, what is the the pro that you're truly getting other than saying that you can have abs, um, especially as you get older? Like, I think that's also important too, is that like, you hit your 30s, 40s, like, you have abs, great. Like, also you have you know, you're well into your career, you have a job, you have like maybe a long-term partner or spouse or like whatever it might be. Um, Does having abs help with any of that? Like probably not. Like, I think like that's the, you know, like the real benefit is you can take sweet Instagram photos. Like that's like the, is that like really the pro that you're looking for? I don't know. It sounds overrated to me. Well, and here's the thing is that like, I genuinely, when I work with clients, I my job is to support them and what their goals are. And my job is also to help them clarify why they want those goals, because we know that when things align with our core values, when things align with the, with what is truly important to us, we are a lot more likely to stick with those things. And I uh-huh. think that when we explore like a lot of aesthetic goals, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being like, I prefer how I look at X, you know, at like at X size or when I'm slightly smaller or when I'm slightly more muscular, whatever. I, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when our, when we believe that our happiness or our success is contingent on that, then that's where we start to see a problem. And so I know that we could continue going down this rabbit hole. And I, I think this is a really important conversation. I want to ask anybody listening, if you'd like to hear more on this conversation, shoot either Mark or myself a DM and we're going to share Mark's details at the end. And then I will get Mark back on here specifically to talk about like the cost of getting lean and what that actually looks like. What I really wanted to talk about today is because I know, Mark, you work with a lot of people that are getting into resistance training and you work with them from an approach of like, we're not here for aesthetics. We are here to really just get better at lifting and to get stronger and to get the health benefits out of resistance training. So I thought we could talk about reasons why we might want to exercise that have nothing to do with whether we have abs or not. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like I want to make like a couple of quick points, then we can jump into that. Make so them, make all those points. When I when I talk about like anti-aesthetic goals, um, I think sometimes this is seen as like bullying to the people who have those goals. Um, my stance, I don't think you're like a bad person or like that you're morally wrong for having those goals. Those goals are very understandable to have. Um, I just think that they're the wrong approach for most people. Like, I think like, like my opinion is that they're the wrong approach for most people, but I'm not like morally saying you're a bad person for having those goals. So that's like the first thing I try to get out of the way before it sounds like I'm bullying people for what their goals are. Um, the second I want to say is like, yeah, so why I don't, I have what's known as like a weight neutral approach, which is why like, we're going to talk about like goals other than fat loss or weight loss, because like the weight neutral approach is really kind of like, as you said, where it's. Um, I don't really care about what you weigh or what you look like, like the weight neutral approach is really about like focusing on strength training, health, like we're still training, we still care about those things, but we're doing so in a way that isn't centered around uh, the weight on the scale. So like, that's like, you know, and I understand that my approach is pretty unique still. Um, not many trainers are weight neutral, or at least not fully weight neutral, but um, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And don't worry at the end, I will like, we will, I, if you're listening to this podcast, you will have heard Mark introduce himself at the beginning because I will have very efficiently edited that in. Oh, um, great. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. I'm good. I'm good at editing at this point. So I think, you know, I think we can talk a little bit about sort of like the actual, like aside from aesthetics, like there are physical reasons why, why strength training is beneficial. And then we can also talk about like some of the emotional and like mental reasons why strength training is so great. And I will kind of like, support, like sort of support you here by sharing a little bit of my own experience and experience with clients as I've seen this happen. And so, yeah, what are, what are some of the, the like physical benefits that you see or that not you, you see, but like that, you know, of that are science backed from strength training? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk about physical benefits first. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I think so physical benefits is, you know, so one, just like strength training, like you become healthier, whether you lose weight or not. Like we have studies now that's kind of like when people engage in strength training two to three times a week for 30 to 45 minutes, you're looking at like serious health benefits both now and in the future. And that's independent of whether you lose fat or not like that. You don't need to lose fat to get those benefits. Um, being a strong person has benefits in life and especially as you get older. So if we're talking about, you know, you want to be able to do the things you want to do, but not be too weak for it. You want to engage in activities. You want to be active. You want to go on hikes with your kids. You want to be able to lift certain things in the house. Like those are all going to be like life benefits that exist with strength training. And as you get older, if you want to be as independent for as long as possible, being strong is going to be one of the things that allows you to be independent for longer. It's not the only thing. There's other factors as well, but the ability to become strong and stay strong as you age will allow you to do things um, longer and longer in your life. You know, I have women that I work with in their fifties where they like want to go skiing with their grandkids or they want to be able to be involved in life activities and being strong allows them to keep doing that as opposed to saying like, Oh, like, you know, I'm going to use a client Jill of mine. It's like Jill can't do this thing because she's not like healthy enough or whatever. Like, she gets to engage in those activities, which is a really big deal for her, especially as she gets older. So those are just like some physical health benefits. And here's the thing is that I think we often think of this in the context of like, oh yeah, forties and fifties. And this is where, like, I think it's important to bring to the, to our attention that like, if we start this in our like teens and twenties and thirties, like that sets us up to be so much more successful later in life. And this is someone Absolutely. that like, I was not a kid that like grew up playing sports. Like I was like a horseback rider and like a fencer, like not necessarily like incredibly like big muscle building activities. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't necessarily what you would call like a sporty kid. I started lifting weights when I was in my twenties. And I can tell you honestly that like, especially after dealing with all of the like under eating and overtraining stuff, like I'm in my mid thirties now and I feel fucking strong. And that is because um, actually my shift has gone to be like, you know what, how do I eat to support the training I'm doing? And how do I shift from like, how do I get good at like being strong rather than like, how do I get good at being skinny? And it has so many benefits. One of the things also that we forget is that like our bone density 
increases when we resistance train. And this doesn't mean that you need to be like deadlifting crazy amounts of weight. Like, no, I, like yeah. exactly. And I think that this is what people, people like think, okay, I'm a female. I need a strength train. Like, I don't want to be one of those people that's like grunting over like hundreds and hundreds of pounds on a barbell over in a gym, but increasing your physical strength sets you up for success in your thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties. I've seen this in my family and I've seen this in myself. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say is like, especially for, I, I would say like, especially for women as well, though it relates to men as well. Um, that like strength training in your twenties and thirties, like, especially because when we're talking about like increasing things like bone density and preventing things like osteoporosis, like if you strength train in your twenties and thirties, that risk of that happening drops. Like I, I remember like looking into a study where it becomes like almost like a 0% chance, like not actually zero, but like almost zero. Whereas like the people who do run into those issues later in life, almost never strength trained. Whereas like, so if you do strength train in your twenties and thirties, you're giving yourself this like solid base where even as you get older, you're starting from such a better position that like your risk of like things like bone fractures or like getting hurt like though like that's going to be significantly less not zero obviously but that like this is why like if you strength train earlier like you're just setting yourself up for success later and like that's the same with like muscle building as well whereas like muscle building in your 20s and 30s is just easier than your 40s and 50s um and then i don't really care what you look like but if you have more muscle mass that tends to correlate with like better health um, for like a number of reasons with like the exception of people who like really overdo it. But if we're talking about general population, you're within the norms of humanity that like more muscle mass like does give huge benefits and your twenties and thirties is like where you can, that the rate of muscle growth is never higher than like during those times. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like we talked about, those are some of the long-term benefits that I think it is hard to think about when you're like in great health in your twenties and thirties. But also there's some like short-term benefits. I think one of the things that I talk to my clients about so much, and one of the things that they notice is like, you think that if you are expending energy strength training, you're going to have less energy. Whereas like, actually it, the opposite tends to be true where like you actually end up getting better sleep and having more energy and more consistent energy when you do do things like that. So I don't know if you want to speak on like the energy and sleep side, because I think that's like, I think that is a more immediate benefit of like, you could literally sleep better tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, exercise is one of these like amazing things where almost regardless of like what you're focused on in life, it like will benefit. Uh, sleep is one of those things. Like stress relief is one of those things that like engaging exercise two or three times a week, like is going to help those things. Like we have studies where like people who exercise sleep better, they're better at dealing with stress like just their day-to-day seem like more, they're, they're more accomplished, their confidence is better. Like really like exercise is one of these, like I mean, I feel like, you know, we keep having more and more studies where we find out that exercise also helps the thing we didn't even know about, um, like mental health. Like it's, it's one of these things that's like truly, you know, it, it helps so much and also can be done in like a minimal amount of time. I think sometimes we look at training where it has to be like five or six times a week for like two hours or something insane like that. Um, the benefits of exercise come from like two to three times a week, 30 to 45 minutes. Like, you know, we're not looking at like making you a bodybuilder or power lifter. Like we're, you know, these benefits come even with like a moderate amount of training. Um, and I think like, that's like super underrated and it's immediate. Like you said, like you can get, you can feel better, better sleep, your mental health will improve. Um, yeah, I just like, there's just like so many, like. And like, even within like a few weeks of starting to train, people will notice these things. So like, I, I think that's pretty impressive. One of the things though, that I do want to point out, and I think that a lot of the time, so I tend to work with a lot of women that are very perfectionist that are like, I need to do this perfectly. Or like, I just really struggle to get started. And I think a lot of the time, especially when someone's getting started with a certain a specific type of exercise routine or strength training is like, we hear these numbers thrown around of like two to three times a week or like five to six times a week or whatever number it is. And people are like, oh my God, I can't do that. So like, there's no point in me doing it at all. And I just want to be really clear that like, there is a difference between what's optimal and what's realistic. And, and I think Mark, you would agree with me that it's like, if you realize, you know what? I can strength train once a week amazing strength training once a week that is like that is going to like show you 
what's the word I'm looking for? Sometimes my brain like gets stuck in like, the, it doesn't know English or Spanish, which is really annoying. Oh, um, bummer. Yeah. But yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> Why not yeah. know two languages when you can't even speak one? But here's the thing. The here's the thing is that is that when I find that it can be really helpful to look at it from a from uh, a perspective of like, hey, if optimal is like I'm getting a minimum of two to three times a week, like let's go for suboptimal. Like I will often tell my clients, like, let's do this really shittily before we can get good at it. And so it's like, if you're doing one strength training session a week and it's just like some video on YouTube or like going to a class at the gym, like that is an absolutely amazing place to start. And even if that's where you are and that's where you stay for a significant period of time, that is always going to be significantly better than being like, I can't do what's optimal. So I'm going to do nothing. Yeah. And I think like the optimal conversation sometimes gets out of hand online where for someone to really see the benefits, like they don't have to be optimal. So sometimes I worry about like these conversations where it's like, what's the most optimal exercise or the most optimal training schedule for you almost kind of doesn't matter one, because you'll see results, whether you do optimal stuff or not, but the people who stick with strength training long-term, one thing that they're good at is like being imperfect in their strength training journey, where when they miss a workout, they don't freak out about it. Like they understand that like the gym will still be there. Like if the workout wasn't perfect, they're not being too hard on themselves. Um, I think when you have like an all or nothing mentality with strength training, it's very easy to quit, especially as like a new lifter where it's like, oh, I missed a week of training. Like I, I ruined everything. Like I'll just give up where the people I've noticed who are the most consistent are when hiccups happen, they acknowledge the hiccups happen. They know why they happened and then they get back into training. Like, and they're, and they're okay with missing a workout or two or not having a perfect workout. And I think like, that's like, you know, realistic is a much more important conversation than like, what is the most optimal training for you because you don't really need it. And sometimes talking about that kind of ruins people's strength training journeys. I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. And I think it's really tough for individuals that identify as perfectionist to actually understand what this means because in their head, realistic is perfect but then they get stuck sort of like doing nothing or they'll do what is quote unquote perfect for a couple of weeks and then they'll fall off and they'll be like, well, clearly I can't stick with it. And I heard something recently, someone said that like, if you're someone that always falls off the wagon and gets back on, instead of thinking of yourself as someone that falls off the wagon, remember that you're someone that always gets back on it. And I think that that's a really cool way to think about it is that it's like, yeah, you can miss like a week of training or a month of training or whatever it is. But like the important part is that you are someone that also gets back to it. And I think that this brings about like, when we move on to what are the, the I, like the mental or the emotional benefits of strength training. And I think this also goes on with some of the struggles too, is that like, I think one of the benefits of strength training, whether it's consistently or inconsistently, is like you learn to, you learn to, to build self-efficacy. And you learn to build self-compassion. And that's because if you're someone that's ever practiced a sport or you're someone that's ever like learned a skill, you know that sometimes when you do the thing, you're going to suck at it. And I think that when we can embrace that as one of the benefits of learning how to strength train, I think it's really, really important because it is imperative that we learn how to be self-compassionate when we do have those shitty days or when we do have those workouts that get cut short. Cause like, you know, your office calls you in the middle and you can't finish it or your headphones die and you're like, Oh God, like, this is really hard. I have to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that that is both a benefit and, and an obstacle that we need to overcome. Absolutely. And also like, I think it's important is that like, if you have fitness and strength goals, like that's totally fair, but you also have a life. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have, oh, you know, yeah. I think sometimes trainers forget this where like you're the person you're working with, like, you know, they have kids or a business or a job or other hobbies or like whatever it might be. And that sometimes those things are going to get in the way of a strength training workout or two. And that's fine. Like that's, you know, I'm, I'm never going to tell, you know, if I'm working with like a young mom, I'm never going to tell her like, Hey, like you got to go do this workout instead of going to your kid's soccer game. Like we're not going to do like, you know, that's, I think that's, you know, pretty crazy as an idea, but I think we need to talk about like, you know, being imperfect, like giving yourself compassion when you do miss workouts. And then 
not giving yourself a hard time, but kind of understanding like, okay, well, why did I miss that workout? Like, yes, what was the, definitely. You know, what was, you know, so because, you know, one or two workouts, like who cares? I missed a workout last week, like life will move on. But if, you, if you're constantly missing workouts, I think that's normally like, you know, don't give yourself a hard time, but like, hey, why is this happening? Am I doing a program that's just too many days a week for me? Am I focusing on something that, you know, doesn't matter? I need, I need a better purpose for why I'm training. Like, you know, there's lots of different reasons that we can go into, but, you know, figuring out that why and then, you know, changing the program to accommodate that, I think goes a long way in the long term. Well, if that were a reason instead of an excuse, like what was behind that? And I think that that can sometimes validate the fact that like, hey, these things do happen, but if there is a reason for it, like how do we remove the obstacle behind the reason? Like, oh, I, well, I, 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 because I didn't have time to make it to the gym and make it back before my meeting. So I just didn't go. Okay, cool. So if that's a reason, the obstacle is like feeling like I need to do my entire workout. Otherwise it doesn't count. Okay, cool. So can we split your workout into like two blocks? And maybe you, if you do one block, like you're like, cool, that's good enough. Like, what are the reasons behind these things? And I think often when we say like, oh, it's just an excuse, we, we really invalidate ourselves. And we're like, well, if it's just an excuse and I just need to get over it. And it's like, well, I don't agree because there's, there, there's a reason why that excuse is there. And we want to yes. get to, we want to understand why we want to get curious about why, instead of being like, oh, well, I just need to get over it. Yeah. And I think like the, just getting over it thing, um, people only have so much willpower. I think we like need to acknowledge that, that there's like only so much motivation. Like I know people always talk about like being motivated and being disciplined, but that's like a finite thing where, and like, like, I just need to get over it. It's like, okay, well, you're, you're ignoring the cause of why we're in this situation in the first place where yeah. that I think needs to, okay. Like we need to improve something. That's great. What is the challenge? What can we do to change? Like, what can we change to overcome that challenge? Um, as opposed to just like a tough love approach where it's like, well, you just have to want it enough. Um, I think is too simple of an answer where like, you need to kind of understand well, like, well, why isn't that motivation there? Or am I just being too hard on myself and the motivation is there, but I'm expecting absolute perfection when really I should just be okay with like B plus work. And you know, that will actually get me the results I'm looking for anyways. So I think embracing B plus work is like, I love that you put it that way. I think that is such an important concept for the listeners of this podcast to take on, because I know that we have so many perfectionists, like in the crowd, so to speak. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and and I, I work with a ton of them as well. Like this is obviously easier, easier said than done. Yeah. Um, but I think it's worth the effort because I think like, and I've noticed this too, is that like usually people who are perfectionists, it's not just in like one domain of their life. Oh, totally. Um, that like, you know, but I think it's like a worthwhile thing to look into and it's like, okay, well, like, why do I have this? Why do I always need to have the perfect grades to always excel at my job at every moment to like always have the perfect workout plan? You know, I think this is like, it, it, you have to be introspective, introspective about it, but I think it's worth looking into. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And how would you suggest like coming, you coming from a weight neutral approach and me coming from the perspective of like, if you have goals to change your appearance, awesome. And the fact of the matter is, is like, if you do pick up strength training, like your body is probably going to change to a certain extent. Like let's not overestimate the capacity of exercise to change our bodies. Like exercise is, is really not that incredible of a tool, especially for fat loss. Like we want to be looking more at nutrition if that is your goal. But the fact of the matter is, is if you become more consistent in strength training, you're probably going to see some physical changes. Not going to guarantee anything here, but truth is probably. But how do we start shifting away from putting so much pressure on the physical, like physical appearance, and start putting a little bit more emphasis on some of the other benefits that we've talked about? Yeah. So there, there's a lot you said there that I'm going to respond to. Um, so I think like the idea that like your body will change that, that can be the case for sure. And like, that does happen. I think one of the concerns I have with that is that if it changes, it doesn't always change the way you want it to. Um, a great example of this is like, sometimes people will do squats because they want a big butt and then they get massive quads instead. Um, and like, so some people just build muscle in different areas than they expected or what they were going for. Sometimes it changes in ways that like you weren't anticipating as is, um, which is why like 
Sometimes aesthetics goals don't like, you know, can your body change? Absolutely. And that's not bad if it does change, but I think the, the focus of it can be somewhat problematic um, where it might not change the way you, you want it to. Um, and also if it doesn't change, like this is, this is still like a strong success um, that like you're still benefiting yourself. Like if you don't see noticeable changes, you're still doing a great job. You're still improving your health, becoming yeah. stronger, feeling more badass. So like, you know, just to like make that clarification. Now in terms of like wanting to focus on something else, if you do want to change your focus, I think it's important that like you can't just be not about weight loss. I think this is sometimes the mistake that people like myself who have this focus make is we talk a lot about why not to focus on weight loss, but we don't give people motivation instead. And what I've noticed is that like people will go from like, okay, I don't care about weight loss, but now I have no motivation and now I don't work out. So I think like with it, it needs to be replaced with something else. You need a goal that matters to you. You need a goal that like will motivate you instead. Why are you going to spend all this time in the gym? You know, using all this effort and time if you don't have a goal to work towards. And I think like that's what's important is that like it's not just about being anti-weight loss or against weight loss it's like you need something to replace that instead because we still want you to work out we still want you to be healthy and that goal is going to be different for everybody i think strength fills a lot of that and is a good replacement for weight loss training but it, it is truly like you're going to have to figure out what is the right goal for you and then kind of shift your focus on why you're strength training in the first place yeah, I like that. And I think, you know, the way that I would like to approach this, and I often do approach this with clients, is we start looking at a body functionality approach when we talk about their exercise habits. And so, for example, I have a client who really loves to swim and she's recently started strength training and she's, she's been fairly consistent with it. She's the kind of person that sort of like has that built into her routine, that time for exercise. And for her, you know, fat loss was a goal, but we noticed that, you know, putting effort or an emphasis on changing her exercise patterns to being a little bit more strength training based and being like, oh, well, this is going to be the thing that changed change my body puts a lot of pressure on strength training. And it makes it feel really uncomfortable when you're like, oh my gosh, I missed a workout. Now in your head, you're like, oh my gosh, I missed a workout. Now I'm never going to reach my fat loss goal. And so where I like to shift people is how can we appreciate our bodies for things that they do? Not necessarily like, oh, I'm so proud of my body because I can lift a hundred pounds. But even like one of the ones that I personally come back to all the time is like, I feel so grateful for the fact that my body is constantly like pumping blood through my heart and that like my, my, my belly holds my organs and like my lungs, like allow me to breathe. Like I'm in Boise right now, breathing in this like crisp, clean air. And like that for me created an entirely new perspective on like appreciation for my body. And I think that can be really helpful if you are someone that feels quite stuck in, I either need to eat or exercise solely for a weight focused goal, like starting to shift towards that style of body functionality, I think can be and body appreciation can be so helpful. Yeah. I, I, th I think it's great that you've like found that like thing that matters to you and that, you know, that's your driving force for training. That's awesome. I think that's what people need. I think it's, it's not enough to say like, don't focus on this. Like you need to find that thing for you. Like for me, lifting heavy weights and being able to lift heavy weights is like what really, you know, drives my training currently. Um, and that might change in the future, but that's like what, what resonates with me. And then for some people, it's going to be being able to be more independent later in life. Maybe you just want to lift a heavy thing because you think it would be cool. I think that's also fine. Um, there's, you know, everyone's got to find that thing that really resonates with them because, you know, what, what, what is the chances of doing something three days a week for 45 minutes if we don't care about the goal? Like it's pretty low, right? Like we need yeah. something to work towards. Um, otherwise we'll either not do it at all or we'll do it for six weeks and we're like, why my hair? And then you just quit training and like you, so you need something, you need like something to focus on. Like, yeah. So I see this a little bit differently, which I think is actually sure. kind of cool. Like I, I appreciate what you're saying, but I also think that there's a lot to be said for like the intrinsic and it, you may start out as a beginner, like a beginner in strength training where you're like, I need a goal to keep me going. Like I need to be able to see that I'm like improving in my strength or I'm getting better at my technique or whatever that is. 
And then you may notice, and this is like, for example, what I see for me or what I see for some of my clients that have been doing this for a really long time, that you get to all of these intrinsic reasons why those, you know, three days a week, 45 minutes or whatever it is become important to you. And so, for example, um, I was recently in a situation where I had to do a lot of like, like admin, like family dealing with a bunch of family stuff whatever. And so for me, though, that time in the gym and following the program that I had became that time where I could go in and think about something other than my to-do list and go in and actually just listen to loud music or a podcast, lift heavy weights and like feel that in my body rather than having to be like super cerebral all the time and like figure out how I'm going to solve these problems. And so that, whereas I don't really give a shit, like how much weight I lift at this point, But I think that understanding that having a goal is one option and also lifting or going to the gym or being physical and moving your body simply for the sake of doing something else in your life, I think is super valuable. No, like I I totally agree. I think, I don't think we disagree necessarily. I think it's- No, I don't think we disagree um, at all. Yeah. I think think we actually agree. Yeah, I know. So like the goal doesn't have to be, I want to deadlift 300 pounds. Yeah. Um, I think for some, some people do need that. Like, cause if you don't have an objective goal, like they're just like, why am I here? Like, and I think you have to like know yourself to do that. But for other people, like the goal could be like, cause it makes me feel better in life. The goal can be like, it like enhances my week to week. It makes me feel better. And it's a stress relief and it moving my body just makes me feel better as a person. Like those are totally fine goals. I think those are great goals. And I think for most people who the longer they get into training, it becomes more about the process than the goal. Um, mm-hmm. I think you just need something like that. I think like there's there's nothing that we do in life that has like no function or like like we need something, even if it's like subjective, I think we need like some kind of like, why am I in the gym for 45 minutes? And that can be like, because it makes me feel better, helps with mental health. It's a stress. Because I have a podcast I really want to listen to and it's a great way. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I, I, feel, like, I feel like I don't, that's I don't totally think we disagree. Like, I think it's just no, kinda, no, no, no. I don't think I, we disagree yeah. at all. And I think the, the last thing I'd love to chat with you about is sort of like the identity shift that takes place when you start adopting like a different style of movement. The reason that I'm specifically choosing movement is because I think that anybody listening can apply the things that we talked about to literally any type of physical movement. And I think that physical movement is really, really important. If you are someone that is currently quite sedentary, like literally any movement that you want to add to your life can benefit you. Even if it's like five or 10 minutes a day, like going for a walk around the block is going to be a benefit for you. And, and the reason I say this is because a lot of us have shifted to working at home. It has become less likely that we're just going to casually get like, five to 8,000 steps a day, like moving from place to place. And so like anything on top of what you're already doing, if you are someone that's currently quite sedentary or not moving a lot, amazing. If you're someone that does too much, like maybe you want to reel it in a little bit, like that could be you as well. But I think that there is an identity shift that comes from embracing this style of training and embracing strength and embracing like the long-term vision of what fitness can do for you. And so yeah. Talk to me about that identity shift. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm not here to bash other styles of training. Like if you like walks, if you like cardio, Pilates, yoga, like that's great. Like that's awesome. Um, if I were to make a case for strength training over those, or in addition to, I think like the one main thing that I would work about is like, there is a unique feeling of feeling strong, that it is something that is very physical and the ability to lift something heavy off of the ground or move something you never thought you'd be able to move, I think has a unique benefit that is hard to explain until you've actually done it. Where I think a lot of people, if they feel weak or feel unaccomplished, that strength training is an arena that shows them that they actually are strong and that they can accomplish more than they expected. I work with a lot of like new beginner lifters and when I tell them that they could probably deadlift their body weight in three months, a lot of them look at that as like an unachievable goal or like me over-exaggerating what is possible. Um, and then they do it. And like, what's cool is they prove themselves wrong in a very positive way where like when they do it and it's easy and they're like, wow, I can't believe I just lifted that off the ground. Like that's a really cool feeling because you realized you were wrong about yourself and that you can actually accomplish more than you thought. 
And what's nice about strength training is it's very objective where it's like, am I getting stronger? Is like, well, I lifted more than I lifted before. You know, I used to lift the 40 pound, like the 10 pound dumbbells. And now I lift the 40 pound dumbbells. Like it's, it's hard to not believe you've gotten better. And like, that's, you know, the, the training kind of treat keeps track for you. So I think like, this is something that's like, I would say unique to strength training. Um, and I think the feeling of being strong is something that is hard to replicate in other aspects of life, at least, at least in the same way. Um, but I think it's a really valuable experience and I think it's very unique and you also feel like you've really earned it, which I think is valuable where it's like, you're putting in the work, you clearly seeing the results. It's, you know, I, I could go on all day, but I think like the strength training has like a unique, like it, it's, there's a unique benefit to strength training that I think is hard to replicate in like other types of training. So I agree with you because I strength train and I've strength trained for many years now. And like many, well, not like literally everyone, I started without any fucking clue what I was doing, like zero sure. clue. Like I remember my first strength training workout, which was a body weight strength training workout. And I remember not being able to walk from the amount of lunges that I did for like three or four days. And it, and, and it was, and then the next time I did the same workout and I was less sore. And then I did the same workout again. And I was slightly less sore after that. And like, that's sort of how things went. And I think that when it comes down to sort of like the identity shift that's made, I think it has a lot to do with like self-belief and self-efficacy of like, I am someone that can do hard things. And I hear from a lot of clients, especially when I first start out with clients, they're like, but this is really hard. Like a client that, you know, is, is really starting to challenge some of her beliefs around food or starting to, you know, create balanced meals when before she, she was like, completely disorganized with her eating habits. And, and I hear like, but this is really hard. And I think the cool identity shift that happens when you do embrace movement, whether it is strength training or something else is like, you realize as you build the skill, and that's what's cool about strength training is you are building skills, is that as you build that skill, you realize I can do hard things and hard becomes something that you're like, I can do this rather than a barrier. And I think that that is an incredibly valuable identity shift in approaching so many different things in life, because when it comes down to it, we are all, and, and this is with eating habits and how the way I kind of frame eating habits is we are building skills here. We are Absolutely. not, yeah. we are not just like flipping a switch and all of a sudden, oh, I'm a healthy eater. And before I wasn't, it's like, we are building skills and strength training is so much about building skills and seeing those results is like, like you said, it's objectively proving to yourself that like, I can do hard things. Yeah. And I think like when we talk about, I'm going to get real deep here. Okay. And when we talk about like your life and what you'll look back on, people are most proud of the things that were hard. Like that's oh, like, yeah. when we talk about like the accomplishments of your life, overcoming things that are difficult is a ton of value. Like someone who naturally was strong and didn't progress beyond that. Um, probably won't be accomplished of their strength as opposed to someone who started off not strong and then became strong. And I think like when I, you know, I'll, I'll use kind of like myself as like an example where like my, when I look at like what my life accomplishments are so far, one of the biggest ones is my 500 pound deadlift. Like that's like the one that I'm like, this is like the thing I'm probably the most proud of, or one of the most things that I'm the most proud of accomplishing was like getting to that goal. It took four and a half years. It was hard. There was ups and downs to it. And sometimes training wasn't always clicking. Um, but it's it's still to this day, like one of the things that I am most proud of for myself. And I think like being able to, and what's nice about the gym is that like, you know, it was hard, but you accomplished it. And that's awesome. And when you look back at your life, you're going to be most proud of the things that were hard, but you overcame them. And I think like that's something that isn't talked about enough because I think sometimes we try to avoid hard things as much as possible. And sometimes that makes sense. But I think being able to overcome hard things is a really valuable or knowing you can overcome hard things is like a really valuable life skill. Yeah. I think that belief in yourself, like being able to tackle hard things is huge. And I think about it in the context of my own life. Like I went from not having any fucking clue about nutrition or fitness at all to being someone that was so obsessed with it that health truly suffered to being someone that like, I can have pretty much any food in the house and feel pretty chill around it. 
I don't, I can look in the mirror and be like, I look awesome. And then some days be like, oh, I, I feel like I look like shit and it doesn't matter. And getting to that point is really hard. It's really yeah, hard. Absolutely. Go, yeah. And, and this is like, I think just a testament to the fact that like hard doesn't mean impossible, but we often have such a fear of failing at that hard thing that we don't even get started. Yeah. And that's, I think that's tough. And then I, I totally understand that like people aren't comfortable with failure. Um, I think that is a skill that takes time that being comfortable with failure actually goes a long way. And I was going to say, listen to episode, I think it's episode four of the, of the bite-sized nutrition podcast, and you will learn a new way to approach failure. <laughs> yeah. Failure is valuable. I think like yeah. we try to avoid it as much as possible, but like failure is, you know, it's a learning experience. Um, that you don't really fail. It's just kind of like a step in the road, you know, and if it matters enough to you, you'll, you should keep going because I think like, that's the, you know, like if it really matters to you, you know, for the deadlift, like there was, you know, a long time where I was really stagnant there and could have done better with my training and, you know, it ended up, but like, I kept going with it and learning from it and it ended up working out for me. Um, I think other people can do that both in training and other aspects of their life. I think that's like a valuable, life skill that when you do fail, that doesn't mean it's like over. It's just kind of like a learning experience along the way, but also listen to the episode, listen to Jillian's episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like you summed it up really well, but I, I think that like, this is something that in my own life, I've really done my best to embrace is like failure is simply information about what doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just knowledge. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Mark, I, uh, I am so grateful that you took the time to be here. And I feel like this episode went from like like base level, like, Hey, here's some cool benefits about strength training to like super deep. Like here is like a way that you can live your life. <laughs> so yeah, really, this one, really yeah, this one a lot deeper than expected, but like, that's good. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy I love that. I'm all about the deep conversations. So where can people find you, my friend? Yeah. So I'm in a few places. Um, if you're looking for, I have my own podcast. It's recently just changed to the badass lifter podcast. Um, if you're a person who likes podcast clips, you can find that at like Badass Lifter Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to watch the podcast itself, it's pretty much wherever you find podcasts, um, as well as if you like the video aspect of it, it's also on YouTube. Um, and then in terms of like non-podcast related stuff, I'm also on Instagram at Training Strong Women and on TikTok as well at Training Strong Women. Um, and then my content's all about like helping new beginner lifters get started, stick with strength training, thrive in their strength training journey, and do so in a way that's like not weight centric. So it's the weight neutral approach, like I mentioned before. But uh, yeah, it's been really fun. I've enjoyed the conversation. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. And hopefully we'll do this again sometime. Absolutely. Anytime you want. <laughs>